Hey there, sexy techies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome. So, you know when you're going to watch a movie and sometimes you have really high expectations for that movie mm-hmm. and it's easy for that movie to disappoint in that case. Um, and then sometimes you go into watching a movie and you have like low or no expectations. Yeah. And then like sometimes that movie surprises you Absolutely. and you like it, right? Yeah. So yeah. today I want our listeners to go into this episode with low expectations. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not because the the content is not interesting. I think it's a really interesting uh, episode, uh, but like we're pretty drained uh, this week. <laughs> um, just uh, we've had a long week and weekend uh, we have. kind of draining emotionally and physically. So uh, we're here. We're here, but let's let's put the bar lower than a limbo bar. <laughs> yeah, let's just set it low and, uh, you know, maybe we'll surprise you. <laughs> we should start all episodes with don't expect much. <laughs> no, I think if we did this too often, uh, we'd lose listeners. But oh. I think, you know, we get a pass once in a while. Okay. Yeah. No. They'll, they'll, According to me. They'll love us, I'm sure. I, I love us. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to tell the story of WeWork today. We were oh like company, WeWork Spaces. Uh, yeah, the company called, well, they used to be called WeWork. I think they changed their name oh. uh, at some point to the We Company. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, um, but yeah, they uh, WeWork. So they were founded in 2010. They opened their first co-working space in New York City in 2011. So they're a co-working space company. Um, basically, the way that their business model works is uh, they lease space. They lease office buildings Mm -hmm. um, from the owners of these large warehouses or buildings and they build them out into a ton of like separate little offices and then they rent those out to businesses Um, so if you're not big enough to like let's say you're a one person or two person startup yeah you can go you know rent an office um, just when you need it Mm -hmm. Um, or you can rent it monthly but it's like tiny you know just this tiny little space um and it was founded by two guys, Adam Newman and Miguel McKelvey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to talk at all about Miguel today. Okay. Uh, Adam is like the, he, so he was the CEO. Um, he was, uh, I mean, he just had this huge personality has. Um, and basically everything you'll ever read about is about this guy, Adam. Okay. So we're going to talk about him. Okay, let's talk about Adam. All right. So... This wasn't like a novel concept. Uh, like this wasn't brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have you heard of Regis? Like Regis offices? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my company, uh, when I was, I don't know, a few years out of college, uh, this was like back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. We rented a space in a Regis office building yeah. in Metropolitan Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. They did something very similar. Um, you know, they had office space. We rented. It was just a couple of rooms basically in this office building and then they had um, a kitchen where with a microwave and you know anyone who rented space there could put stuff in the fridge use the microwave eat at the desks that they had in there you know they had a little lounge area that sort of stuff for every all of the offices yeah that was like shared space yeah so you know we work was not like a brand new concept Mm -hmm. Um, what was new about it and what their differentiators were were really in their marketing and they were trying to create this like cool factor of around WeWork. Um, It was less corporate. Mm -hmm. um, So like 
they definitely looked cooler than a Regis office. Like mm-hmm. a Regis office looked like uh, office space. Right. Like you walked into office space. Mm-hmm. Um, they were more modern. They kind of looked uh, a little warehousey. Mm. So, sort of. Uh, they targeted startups. They tried to create like a community feel around them. Yeah. Um, they had nicer furnishings, uh, just more modern. Um, And they really wanted to make it feel like this, like new sharing economy, like tech startup type thing. Have you ever used a WeWork space before? Yes. So we look for um, co-working spaces sometimes when we are just starting in a certain area or market or state. Um, and we've looked into WeWork spaces and I think it's really funny that you said that they really brand themselves as kind of like this newer hip, um, almost like catered to like younger professionals that are just starting out because that's exactly what we saw when we were looking at certain office spaces in places they had, they talked about, um, their, uh, foosball tournaments that they would have, um, and you know, just kind of the happy hours that they do. Um, you know, monthly within their, you know, all the all the WeWork organizations that were there. Okay, yeah, I've used a couple of WeWorks um, also for for different meetings. Um, mm-hmm. I think WeWork is kind of like the Kleenex of the mm-hmm. co working space. Right. Like people call it a WeWork, regardless of if it is a WeWork. That's um, true. Although most of them are because they're just enormous. But I want to get into talking a little bit about Adam, okay. uh, sort of the central figure to this story. So Adam Newman, um, he's been described as one of the world's greatest salesmen, mm. um, and not necessarily in a positive way. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, he wasn't really selling customers uh, as much as he was selling VCs when he's described this way. Mm. So he had this extraordinary ability to we'll get into this in the story, but like to convince very intelligent people that WeWork was something that it wasn't um, and that it was worth way more than it actually was. Mm. So he would he would do this by, you know, he, he took, you know, from the very beginning, he would take investors around the WeWork offices. He'd show them like, oh, look, we've got beer on tap in our offices. Yeah. Uh, here, take some tequila shots. Uh, he'd like make them feel like they were cool. They were like part of the experience and that like they were building something for those people. And uh-huh. it was just this like really cool thing that they yeah. were doing. Yeah. And so like one reporter from the Wall Street Journal met with Adam and they were talking and sort of like hitting it off. And like he was telling him the story about WeWork. And then Adam found out he was not he was the reporter that covered real estate, mm. which would make sense. Right. For this type of company. Um, not to Adam. Adam was adamant that they were not a real estate company. Okay. He never ref- he never wanted to call WeWork a real estate company. He didn't want anybody to refer to them as a real estate company. Um, he said, we're not a real estate company. We're a community company, which is not really a thing. Yeah. Um, but he was trying to sell this vision that they were a tech company. Right. Like a, like a tech-enabled community right. company. Well, because... Real estate's not as sexy as tech. It's definitely not as sexy as tech. Um, and it's also, when it comes to evaluation, like mm. a company valuation, he wanted to convince people that WeWork deserved a tech company valuation, oh, wow. not a real estate company valuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. So for tech companies, like you build software once, right? And mm. then you can sell it 
an infinite number of times, basically. Right. And you don't have to hire or pay more costs um, at scale, like the same number as, as you did when you had one customer mm -hmm. versus a million customers, right? Right. You're not adding one more customer support person for every new customer, for right. instance. Right. Uh, whereas with real estate, if I'm going to get more customers, I need more office space, right. which yeah. means my you costs go up incrementally estate. for every... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a reason that valuations are different. Like mm -hmm. a software company might have a valuation of like 20 times their revenue, just as an example. A real estate company may have a valuation of, I don't know, two times their revenue or something like that, three times their revenue, like much smaller. Right. Um, so Adam goes out and he starts raising venture capital and he has this story that he's telling, um, you know, this this vision of WeWork. And he's able to secure in early 2012 a $100 million valuation uh, as like the first valuation for WeWork. That's a lot. Yeah. And only a year later, it increases to $400 million, oh. their valuation. Then later that year, it's $1.5 And it just keeps growing like this. Wow. Um, he's just able to keep going out and saying like, you know, and, and they were growing, like they would buy, you know, they would lease more space and right. they would fill it up and, um, but they weren't profitable. Uh, but he kept telling the story and investors kept buying it. Mm -hmm. So, and the interesting thing was VCs could see their current financials. Like they could see right. what they were bringing in for revenue, uh, what their, like what their losses were and their losses dramatically outweighed what they were bringing in. Right. Um, they, they, weren't profitable and each time adam especially like later on a few years in he kept selling these vcs on like a future vision hmm. um and and the in that like the future would look much different from the past so like yeah yeah i know that right now we're not profitable um but tr <laughs> yeah. like and like these numbers look really bad but trust me six months from now like, this is going to look way different. He's got to be a really good salesman because to say that what you're seeing now is not what you're going to see in the future, I, I don't know. You're well, going to have a lot of trust I mean, you can, you can do that maybe once or twice, right? Like, uh, you yeah, would think, like, right. if you're, especially if you're growing, uh, you can be like, hey, we're going to, uh, once we get to here, we're going to get to profitability, right? But he did this over and over right. again. And the thing was, there's this like VC FOMO, like we've talked about this before, but like once you yeah. get, especially once you get like one of the bigger VCs, um, at this point, everybody thought WeWork was like the next Google, mm -hmm. right? Or the next Facebook or something. Mm -hmm. It was this tech, like they, they thought it was a tech company because they were told it was a tech company, right? right? right. And so they're like, well, if they invested in it, uh, yeah. you know, I better get in on this. I don't want to miss out. Right. So every round, he's just convincing investors. He just needs... He just needs a little more money, uh, which was a lot of money, not like a little more mm -hmm. money. But uh, mm -hmm. and and he was also saying he, he also was sort of pitching a little bit different of a vision each time, too. Like he was going to change the course of the company a little bit, not like completely. They're not going to get they're not going to go away from the co-working spaces. But um, in like 2016, they started doing this thing called We Live, which is like apartments, co co-living spaces. I, wait, what, how is that different from just a regular apartment? More communal. Uh, so like there were there were more shared spaces, um, almost like dorm style. Oh, like there's a place where you slept, but then everything else yeah. is communal. I don't So know like why. you have this tiny little room. I don't um, think that's fun. 
with like a Murphy bed. Uh, but it was, I mean, but they were nice looking. Like they were yeah, modern. Um, right. And it was all about the community. It was like they went out and they found young and single people mm-hmm. that, you know, would be open to living in this kind of like, I don't know, real world. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's probably exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that was like one of their sort of offshoots. Um, you know, it, it became clear that like that wasn't the thing. And then it was like, oh, but we're going to expand to China. And like that'll be, you know, the that's what's going to make us turn um, profit. And like then, you know, that wasn't the thing. And it's like, oh, actually, we're going to also do school. So they like they opened their own school called We Grow. Um, and it was like, yeah, we're going to do this new take on education. this like private school. What? Thing. Yeah. It, so it was just all these different things like these different stories and it was like you know eventually we're going to get there to this to profitability and we're going to be huge right and people kept buying it which is um which is kind of crazy to me they did have this other thing that that was kind of fascinating um they called it summer camp like we work summer camp okay but it was like this it's like fire festival you you know fire festival (laughs) yeah i mean this is exactly what i'm thinking of as you're telling this story (laughs) so it's like this um it's like this getaway for we work employees and members like the people who rent the space and it's like one big party mm. and it, there were it's all about the cool factor like oh we got you know we got invited to this yeah this like exclusive we work party and apparently the parties were pretty cool but it was also you know part of the sales pitch for members like hey right. you know you get to come to this party you're in the club basically right and so that's how they were differentiating was with stuff like that which is not really i mean yes it's a differentiator for like bringing in customers but it's not making you more profitable yeah Uh, if anything it's making you less profitable (laughs) now did this happen i i don't remember the timelines of things but like in terms of like fire festival do you know when that was i think this was before so this started in they started doing these um summer camp things pretty early i think 2011 or 2012 I don't know exactly what your fire festival was, but it was much later than okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, but they they kept doing them. I think they kept doing these every year. Okay. So it wasn't really like they had proven that they could do it. Right. Um, and you know, people were getting what they paid well, for. Yeah, they weren't like going to like Jaw Rules like island somewhere or something. No. Yeah. No. I mean, this was a legitimate experience. Right. Like, I don't know that people complained that it, they didn't get what they paid for or anything. So it's not like Fire Festival in that way. Yeah. Got um, it. it maybe it's what Fire Festival tried to be, but like on a much smaller scale. Right. But they did bring in musical acts and stuff like pretty big acts. Uh, I think they just didn't go to some like remote destination where you couldn't get running water and electricity and that right, sort of stuff. Right. Right. So, in 2016, Adam meets this guy, Masayoshi Sun the CEO of SoftBank. Okay. Which is like this huge Japanese investment company. And WeWork needs money because they always need money. They're they're spending a ton of money. And they're probably going to struggle to to raise more money at this point. But they meet this guy and he's very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And SoftBank has, I think, like a $100 billion fund that they just raised and they want to invest it into tech companies. So... Adam takes him on a tour, takes uh, this guy Masa on a tour Mm -hmm. of uh, WeWork. I think I I read that it's like a 12-minute tour. And then they get in the car and they drive to, I think they're driving to Trump Tower in 2016. And in that car ride, they basically work out a deal for this like enormous, I think it was the original deal was like four-ish billion dollars of Mm -hmm. investment that uh, SoftBank is going to put into WeWork. Wow. 
And over the next three years, that increases to about $10 billion oh that SoftBank invests into WeWork. So yeah, I mean, in their last round of funding, they valued WeWork at $47 billion in oh January 2019. I think that was like their Series H round, which is insane. Like, you have to go up that many like they do a series right a right, b right. you know like i don't know what number what i don't know what number yeah. letter that is in the alphabet but there's a lot of rounds yeah eight okay <laughs> at this point so in 2019 by the end of 2019 they we work does 3.46 billion dollars in revenue and they lost about 3.75 billion dollars that year so they're still not profitable no just a side story these are a couple other uh tech companies, I'm put using quotes, uh, that launched around the same time. Okay. Uh, one is this grilled cheese tech company called The Melt. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so they opened their first restaurant in 2011. They're like a, I think they're like a fast casual, like fast food type uh-huh. restaurant. Uh, and they developed this device that could make the perfect grilled cheese, like like restaurant style grilled cheese uh-huh. in 45 seconds, Ooh. which is like, I guess, some sort of huge breakthrough in like <laughs> sandwich making technology. Um, they have this online ordering system. They have these like scanners, like customers can go in and scan a QR code and like get their food without ever having to like talk to anybody. Oh. So they did something similar. They're, they're like selling this vision of like, oh, we created this like tech company Mm -hmm. but it's a grilled cheese restaurant right right right. and so i mean they ran into some similar problems like they raised money they raised from sequoia i think um but eventually like you keep raising money and then like your valuation is insane and no one's going to invest in it anymore and so that's what happened to them Uh um do you know casper the mattress company i know casper the friendly ghost okay (laughs) (laughs) so there's a like this original like mattress in a box company called casper um they kind of did something similar i think they were they were founded in 2014 but they became very popular they had like this very cool like online this like digital marketing campaigns and stuff i thought you meant they made grilled cheese no 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 (laughs) they were um, stuck on that (laughs) (laughs) sorry did i say that they were a mattress company yeah you did okay (laughs) but they said they said they did the same thing (laughs) no like uh they were you know trying to convince i mean they were able to convince investors they were differentiated enough that like yeah. they were somehow a tech company but they were selling mattresses right right and like how often do you buy a mattress uh you're supposed to buy one what, once every eight years or yes. something but like nobody does that <laughs> and even if you do that's once every eight years yeah. like that's not enough customers you're actually just supposed to flip it after eight years so you can <laughs> get 16 years okay. out of it <laughs> so like there's look we work was not is not the only company that's done this right, right. there's other companies out there that like have sold this vision that yeah. like i'm gonna we're gonna do something different yeah. um to this like regular this like non-tech thing and we're going to call it a tech company and and raise it a tech company valuation uh i I haven't seen it work out well uh yet yeah so i mentioned uh early 2019 they raised like this series h round so eventually they needed more money Mm -hmm. right because you just kept burning money lots of it Mm -hmm. and the next time they needed more money masa didn't have it Mm -hmm. so they had raised a few rounds from Wow. Masa and SoftBank, and he he couldn't do it. Yeah. Like he they like he tried, drained him, and yeah, I mean he just uh, the SoftBank investors just didn't have the appetite to like keep going. Oh, I see. So WeWork decided to go public, mm. um, try and go public mm. in 2019. So they filed to go public, but in the filing, you know, you have to put it all out there, all your financials, right. and 
they put it out there. They showed they had $1.9 billion loss um, on $1.8 billion in revenue in 2018. So they were still not profitable. Uh, they were at it for eight years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it became clear that there was no appetite for this IPO from the public sector. Yeah. Like the, the people didn't want what they were offering anywhere near the valuation they were trying to get right. for it. And uh, I heard this described as sort of like an emperor's new clothes situation. Mm. Like uh, in the private markets, for some reason, um, VCs were just kept pouring money in and just kept increasing the valuation to these like insane numbers. Yeah. And then they try an IPO and uh, in the in the public market, people like these investors look at it and they're like, nope, it's not worth anything near that. Right. Oh, sorry. I think about the story of the emperor's new I feel bad for that emperor. He was naked. <laughs> yeah, but he was lying to people. I know. I, know. <laughs> I always feel for them, though. I mean, that's public embarrassment. <laughs> so this IPO was botched. Like, it never happened. Mm-hmm. They they ended up having to back out of it. And in September 2019, Adam Newman was forced out of WeWork mm-hmm. as the CEO. He was, like, forced out of the role. Um, there were criticisms over his leadership, uh, all this, like, self-dealing um and Mm. blame for the company's financial problems so i mean these conflicts of interest arose um as part of these stories there was some reporting by the wall street journal um, and other news news organizations uh one of the things adam did was so he registered the trademark for the the word we like using the word we in like a corporate entity i guess and then so he registered it like personally Uh in like a separate holding company and then he sold it to WeWork for like almost six million dollars so he so he could like personally gain on this sale of uh, which should have just been bought by the company right right right. so uh he eventually he got called out on that and he ended up I guess returning it um and returning the money only after the negative PR yeah yeah uh uh, also it was estimated that Newman took about one billion dollars personally off the table from investments into WeWork. So in investment rounds, Mm -hmm. sometimes uh, VCs will allow the founders to cash out some amount of money, um, especially in later rounds. Usually it's like, you know, the company's doing well. uh, Maybe it's profitable. Maybe it's not. But like it's there's a there's a clear path. And um, it's to reward the founders because oftentimes they're taking pretty low salaries at the beginning um and this is like okay now you're set up like you know no matter what happens with this company you've got a few million dollars or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and so that happens sometimes yeah he he was able to take about a billion dollars in all these different like total in all these different rounds that's so crazy it's just crazy because you told in the beginning you said that there were two founders pretty much yeah and it's just like what is what did that other guy yeah i know we, we're not talking about no him. i'm sure he got i don't know what he got also i'm sure i mean he got money too but uh but like this is pretty unheard of that yeah. he was able to cash out this much right, money right and when you ask like how did this happen all i could find out really was that he was just able to tell people like hey it if investors said like, no, we can't let you do that, he'd say, okay, I'll go on to the next person. Somebody else will. Yeah. Basically. Right. And yeah, it's nuts that he got away with that. Yeah. Uh, so after Adam left in 2019, WeWork kind of expanded its business model. Um, so they created an app 
to sort of like Uberize the office rental space. So you could like go on and book mm, mm-hmm. by the week or the day or the hour even. Right. Um, sort of like breaking it up even further. Yeah. Uh, before, I think they just had slightly longer term, uh, maybe like monthly right. leases, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, they brought in somebody to be CEO who actually had experience in real estate and like was willing to call it a real estate company Mm -hmm. um they cut costs they you know tried running it more like a real estate company uh not spending so much money crazily on things yeah they did eventually take WeWork public in october 2021 oh at a nine billion dollar valuation wow which is funny to think about so they took WeWork Public at a $9 billion valuation. They had raised well over $10 billion yeah. of funding. Yeah. So yeah. the company was worth less than it had received in funding. Right. So is that considered a failure? Because, I mean, it's still a $9 billion company. Well, it's not considered a failure yet because, like, at that point, because, like, the story isn't over, right? But certainly you shouldn't be taking a company public at a valuation less than the amount of funding that yeah. you were given. If you just sat on that funding and 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 invested it into like some sort of very safe uh, asset, yeah, it would be worth way more than you know what you started with, right, right? Right. After what? How many ever years that was? Eight years or something? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that's not good. But they were able to go public. Like that's they needed to. They needed the. They needed to raise more money. Right. Um. So it was like, eventually they were going to have to do it. Um. So that was in October 2021. So where is WeWork now? Adam's gone from the company. So, um, and this is the reason that we're doing this story uh, now. So just last week on November 6th, WeWork filed for bankruptcy. Ooh, man. Um, it doesn't mean the company's like going away. Right. Um, they're, they're restructuring their financials. Mm-hmm. Um, they disclose they have $18.6 billion in debt. Mm. I think they had about 15 billion in assets. Their stock price fell to 84 cents per share wow. on this news. Um, so yeah, they're they're trying to get their financials in order. Uh, they plan to continue operating most of their spaces. Um, they're going to try and like renegotiate terms of leases, which they probably will be able to because people are trying to go back. Yeah, the offices now. Well, yeah, and office space is still uh, there's still more of it available than there was pre-pandemic. So, um, you know, some of these landlords need to get their space leased. So, yeah, I thought Adam's statement following the bankruptcy announcement was. What's the word? Uh, On brand, maybe for him. (laughs) Uh, I can only imagine. He said, it's been challenging for me to watch from the sidelines since 2019 as WeWork has failed to take advantage of a product that is more relevant today than ever before. Interesting. You know, hinting that he would have been able to do better, right? Of course, right, right. Adam has been compared to another high-profile CEO uh, that that failed um can you want to take any guesses at who it might be elizabeth holmes yes actually so the ex-ceo of theranos yep um who is currently serving prison time for defrauding investors and everybody who took part in theranos (laughs) um so i think there's a there is a key difference though between what the two CEOs did. So Elizabeth Holmes was selling a lie about 
the current state of Theranos, right? Like she was saying, right. we can currently do this. Yes. Like you give us your blood, we take it into this room. We've got this black box that I won't show anybody. Right. And in whatever hour, whatever, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. We're going to have all these test results for you. Yeah. And they fabricated them. Like they didn't, ha- they couldn't do what they said they were able to do at the time. Currently, right. Whereas Adam was always selling like a future vision. Yeah. And you're able to do that in in uh, in tech and in startups. Like you're you're because people can see what you're making right now. Like they he wasn't lying. Like yeah, they had all this debt and you know they had all these losses. Right. And he was saying we're going to turn this around, and people believed him, right. and they kept believing him. Yeah. So yeah. I you know I think the comparison makes sense to an extent, but uh, that's why. Adam is not in prison right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> and Elizabeth right, is. Right. Yeah. It, but it's funny, though, when you were telling the story, I mean, I'm, I'm really into like those documentaries of um, kind of like corrupt startups or you yeah. know, just kind of like shady businesses that get exposed. And as you were talking about, you know, his practices, it sounded a lot like Elizabeth Holmes and Billy McFarland. The, oh, the the fire festival. Guy. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the two documentaries that like really stuck out to me, and I was like, huh, you know, I can see him like that. Yeah, well, I mean, Adam certainly it seems like mismanaged the money that mm-hmm. was invested in the company. I mean, he pocketed um, right a billion dollars worth, but but he was able, like he he didn't that wasn't defrauding anybody. They agreed right. to those terms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just he like, just like made it happen, even yeah. though it was a little smarmy. I think the lesson from all this is, uh, you know, about WeWork and Adam Newman. Um, if it looks like a duck, right? Mm-hmm. You know that saying, if it swims like a duck, if it quacks like a duck. What is it? A fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you would think so, right? Like, it looks like a real estate company, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it... Nope, it, it's a tech company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, that's not a tech company. Um, and for Adam, like, you know, it looks like... He, the kind of a shady guy like talks like a shady guy <laughs> like uh keeps losing your money <laughs> like, so what do you think adam's doing now um saying i told you so to everybody sounds like like maybe just like sitting back there spending his his billions yeah uh false uh. so adam started a new startup oh, it's gosh. called flow oh. um Adam describes it as a residential consumer facing real estate company. He actually uses the okay, word so real estate company it now. That time, yeah. So no one really knows yet exactly what oh, this company is. Cool. Um, cool, cool, cool. It hasn't launched yet. Okay. There's a, a fast company headline from earlier this year that says they talked to Adam Newman about flow for a full hour and <laughs> and they still don't really know what it is. <laughs> supposedly Yeah, supposedly it combines like the best of apartment renting and home ownership. So like, I don't know, maybe you, you rent, but you're also earning equity in something. Like nobody knows yet. Like the website for its flow.life, it still says coming soon as of today uh, yeah. when, I, when I looked it up. Um, <laughs> like, but, but like you would think like, oh, he must have to self-fund this because like who's going to trust this guy, right? With, you know, now. Uh, also false. So right. Andreessen Horowitz um, invested $350 million in August 2022. Um, although he is, Adam is um, partially self-funding. Apparently he has mm. put in a lot of his own money. Mm. Um, I can imagine, uh, hopefully they're, 
they're going to be more strict on the terms of, yeah. you know, his being able to withdraw money at different uh, rounds right, and, right, right. you know, just spend like, hopefully he's a little more checked this time. But like, I don't know how you go from, you know, w- what what he did and, you know, that story to this. And, and you know, there's two sides to every story, of right? Of course, right. Yes. But also, like, the tenacity of entrepreneurs is what people talk about. Like, if it was a successful company, we would be singing a different tune and being like, yeah, go for it. Go for another thing. But because it failed and we've seen, we've talked, we've, we've spotlighted founders that have had failures in the beginning and, you know, they start a new venture and, you know, we're, and, and that, because that second one is successful, we say, yeah, go for it. But, you know, seeing people who, I mean, even Billy McFarlane from Fire Festival. Apparently, he's doing another Fire Festival. Yeah, but um, like he doesn't control the money this time, and like he's not. He, all he is, I think, is the creative. Uh, he's basically hired to do this, right? Like, oh, okay. um, so I it's, didn't it's, know that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's just different. But like, and and I'm not saying it's it has nothing to do with the fact that Adam failed at WeWork. Like, uh, and you know, I would call it a failure. You know, his his contributions right, at right. WeWork. But like that to me doesn't have any impact on whether, you know, he should get funding for a second opportunity. Like plenty of people fail their first time. Like it's, you know, 90% or more probably fail. Right. Um, it's the way that he failed. Yeah. And like the decisions that he made and the amount of money that he took. Right. And like, even though that was legal, like he, it was in the paperwork, like a lot of other CEOs, would say, I don't want to take that money off the table. Like I want, yeah, I want one. I want the company to like I, I, I believe in my company. Right. If you believe in your company you're enough, you're not going to take. You're not going to take that money now because it's going to be worth way more. Yeah. You know, ten years from now, five years from now, whatever. Right. Like if you're taking it now, it's almost like you're saying, well, I don't know what this. This money's not going to be worth more with me controlling it. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't like used to like, eating ramen noodles. Maybe he like had more in his life that he wanted to spend his money on. <laughs> okay, we'll chalk it up to that. Okay, everyone, you're probably wondering why podcasters are always like, hit the subscribe button, means a lot. We'd really appreciate it. So if you don't know, more subscribers means more listeners to the podcast each episode. It's more likely that you're going to download a future episode. Also in the charts, that helps a podcast to grow to get more listeners to be presented in front of a a larger audience. Only about half or even less than half of the people who listen to the podcast each week are subscribed. So hit that subscribe button or that follow button. It will help the podcast to get more attention. It will help make sure that we keep giving it the attention that it needs to create a quality podcast that you all will hopefully continue to love. So hit that button. That's all we'll ask. All right, now I'm going to sell you on a vision. All right. Kind of the way Adam sold his little vision to people. All right, I might have to reset my um, fraudometer or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work, but I don't know. So it just all came to me because I was talking to one of my best friends um, who lives in Chicago, and just in our conversation, we just came up with the most brilliant idea we think ever. Okay. But I just want to run it by you. So I'm sure it is. 
<laughs> like usually if two people come up with an idea and they think it's the best idea ever, then it is the best idea ever. I don't know. <laughs> that's the, that's the know. test. <laughs> There's a lot that we didn't think about. But so we were talking about our 20 year high school reunion that happened a couple months ago. Okay. Um, and neither of us went. I was traveling for work. She had like a family obligation or something. But um, we were just talking about like how many faces you know, we would see and we would probably recognize, but, you know, chalk it up to like mom brain, COVID brain, like just being old Old age. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, also not having seen people for 20 years. Right. Yeah. Like we could, we would probably be like, oh, I know that person. We would recognize their face, but like we probably wouldn't, you know, know their names or like just blank on like what they've been up to or you know any information that we've probably been fed like either through social media or like through the rumor mill um to know anything about them and so you know and and my friend so she lives in Chicago that's where I was born and raised and so she runs into this problem a lot more because she lives you know where we were raised and so she runs into so many different people and she cannot pinpoint where she knows them from in her life. And okay. I, I have this like problem too. Like, yeah. I mean, I've probably had this happen a couple of times in my life, a, a handful couple, of oh times. Oh my gosh, it happens so much. Well, I just don't know when, you know, when you see the soccer mom friends on the soccer field, you obviously know who they are. But then when I run into them at the grocery store or like in the wild. Oh yeah. No, I I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. It's happened more than a few times. Yeah. Like when you see somebody in the wild, you recognize their face, but you, because they're not in the place that you associate them with, you can't, you can't figure out like who they are sometimes. Or it may not fast enough. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And I just feel like the older you get, like the more you're like at a point in your life where there are just people from so many different phases in your life that like we just can't place them. Yeah. So uh, my first feedback is you're selling me on the problem a lot. <laughs> because like, I get the problem. Because All I right. don't really know the solution. <laughs> All right, I get it. But okay. But you know how like <laughs> famous people, they have a handler when they go to events who basically just like tell them in their ear who they're about to approach and like sure. do a quick like prep on who that person is so that they kind of you know, are familiar with them and can have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The interviewer. So we were just thinking it would be really cool to have that a tech component. That's like almost a personal assistant that tells you who you're seeing basically. And maybe it is like AI generated where there's face recognition and either it's connected to the web, which I understand is like a security issue or, you know, whatever or it could be or you actually have an account with this thing and it can go into your socials and tell you how you're actually connected to this person yeah so it's still i mean it still needs internet access yeah um you're just saying it's like whether it's an open um search on like the entire internet or just like looking at your social profiles and seeing who you're okay yeah i I got you yeah and then it can somehow maybe there's an earpiece or you know like a little screen or something that tells you like who this person is and so that it's not like this awkward interaction and whether that is like something that you just like wear out in life i don't know just in case i don't know how often like you're gonna run into somebody well you better wear it all the time just in case because you never know when that's gonna happen if you're out there but i think even more so like it could be something that's marketed to maybe like 
the reunion market <laughs> like schools that do reunions and they're you know they're called like reunion glasses or something and everybody wears them how funny would that be though <laughs> if like you show up to your high school or college reunion or whatever and they're like here put these on that way and then everybody sees everybody wearing them and like looking at them and then like you know waiting a couple minutes to like get all the info and then and then your approach <laughs> you'll be like oh hey <laughs> may yeah <laughs> class of oh yeah we're in the same class right (laughs) well i so again there's kinks in our plan but we just thought that there's got to be something out there that will cut through the awkwardness of like you're clearly like searching on your phone to figure out who this person is yeah um before you approach them but there's a more natural way of like as you're walking up to somebody, you're being fed information yeah. that by the time you get to them, you know, you guys kind of have been debriefed on each other. Yeah. Um, do you have a question for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I I mean, what do you think of that? And then and just also, I, you know, I started to look at things that were already kind of built and out there so that, you know, to kind of justify to myself, well, maybe this is something that like can be created. Yeah, so I can't see this as like a standalone product, yeah. like where I would go out and buy anything, you know, because this would have to be pretty expensive, right? Like it right. would have to, it would have to be able to connect to the internet. So it actually probably just have Bluetooth to my phone, right? Yeah, and then my phone would be what connects to the internet, yeah. um, and and gets the information. So like, yeah, but it's got to be able to do that. It's got to either be an earpiece or like glasses. Like I'm thinking Google Glass. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking it's like an app on Google Glass or something. I, I never owned Google Glass. I don't even know if, if it had apps. But like, uh, but yeah, because I wouldn't use it enough to like warrant buying a piece of technology for several hundred dollars to right. do this thing. But it, like, if it was an app, and like, I don't know if it's paid, like a I don't know a dollar a month or something like that, or like. Yeah, I don't know how what where it's ad supported or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like walking up to someone and then an ad pops up and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to wear this out. Like, I'm not going to use this like just in case. <laughs> but like, you know, maybe if you're at a reunion or something. I don't know. I, I it, it, It's one of the, those ideas where like I can see the usefulness of it, but I don't know about the implementation. Like yes. implementing it sounds difficult. Um, and I don't know that you can sell somebody on the problem I don't know that the problem is big enough that people will pay for it or mm. even like, like it takes you a while to explain the problem, right? Like you, you, you know, like you took a few minutes to explain it and like, I get it. Like I see the problem, but like, it's not like a hair on fire problem. It's well, kind of like an annoyance. But um, you can also use it. If you think about it, you can also use it. Cause I was trying to think of when I would need to debrief people on on things and when I was in my very first job out of college was sales and I would need to basically put together a whole trip prep for my marketer on you know who he was meeting with what they needed to know and it was you know and every every salesperson when they're meeting with a potential client or you know a prospect or something they it'd be nice for them to just kind of have this like intel yeah. of who this person is. So that's where I see it as more useful is like in a business or um, intelligence community uh, sort of mm. role yeah. or uh, use case. Like, uh, and, and I mean, they use, I, I swear I've seen this in like James Bond movies or something <laughs> where like yeah. he's wearing glasses yes. and he'll look at somebody and all of a sudden he'll see 
in like you know that font that they always use for yeah. like spies yeah <laughs> it like types across yeah, the screen it's like yeah it's like um dos like yeah font still. yeah um <laughs> you would think with all the technology <laughs> right but it's like you, you know he'll look at somebody and it'll say like so and so president of china or whatever mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like net worth so such and such and it's like yeah, dangerous yeah. like well right. you know all that's like yeah. that's probably the information that you want like the high level like <laughs> yeah. but uh so like for that type of person sure like they you know they need that information quickly and like they're gonna be willing to pay for it yeah um yeah and like you were saying before people who can afford or have people to just tell them that stuff so like before they go up to somebody mm-hmm. like probably a pretty big problem for those people right but like for the everyday person it's like eh. (laughs) well right so because i you mentioned google glass and i was looking into google glass and what they did and you know they're also called just glass apparently but for those who don't know google created a brand of smart glasses um you know as basically a wearable ubiquitous computer and so it displays information using like a head-up display and, um, you know, the wearer can communicate with the internet just by using, you know, language. Yeah. Speaking. It seemed like a good idea. It never really took off. No, it didn't. It, apparently their first prototype, um, was sold in 2013 for $1,500 yeah. a pair. Um, and then they stopped, they stopped producing in 2015 and actually finally like stopped sales as recently as September 23. So, oh, yeah. but the technology was there and I was like well like maybe there could be something with that like there could be because okay let's talk about like niche marketing so there is this thing called a silent disco you've told me about silent discos yeah and you know it's not like you go somewhere and you just like go to a silent disco or you know you host a party and you just happen to have like silent disco stuff it's something that you like rent for a specific activity like for silent disco so you know reunions are happening i mean schools rely on reunions for alumni support so if they're gonna keep generating reunion events then maybe this that could be the market for something like this as well as you know business and sales yeah i I, I could see it more you know in in that use case like if if you can get an organization to buy a lot of them for a use case like that. Yeah. Like that's probably a better strategy than like mass market. Like, Hey, yeah. just in case you run into somebody and you don't know who they are. Right. Um, yeah. but I don't know. That's just me. You know? Yeah. No, I, you're, you're it's hard the to realist. predict these. It's hard to predict these types of, uh, technological shifts that might happen. No, it's going to happen. I'm going to sell you on the future. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds smarmy. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it could work, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. But if anyone's listening and this appeals to them, I challenge you to start something. And I can guarantee you there is a girl in Chicago that will want to use it. What about a girl in Florida? Sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll see if my friend in Chicago finds it like helpful first and then I'll (laughs) use it. Uh, this made me think of something else. Um, if anybody out there has an idea that they want us to discuss on the show, DM it to us and, uh, you know, business idea, uh, maybe we'll discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll discuss it and debate it. And, uh, yeah, that that could be interesting. Yeah. For the most part, I'm always going to agree with you. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
And now it's time for our Hot Mom of the Week. Yeah, well, last time I checked, I'm still hot, real hot. Okay, so the Hot Mom of the Week that I am going to spotlight this week, her name is Emily Lay. Have you ever heard of her? I don't think so. Um, Let me look her up. What's her handle? Um, it is at Emily Lay, L-E-Y, on Instagram. Spelled uh, with a Y or an I-E? Oh, uh, that's a good question. It's Emily with a Y, not an I-E. Okay. All right. I got her. Um, so she is the founder of her brand, Simplified. And as we were talking about just the craziness that WeWork kept building on you know, their plans for doing things in the future and all of these different components that they had and just overcomplicating a system that was already happening and how when Adam was kind of uh, had stepped aside as a CEO and WeWork um, just kind of went back to its basics and became a real estate company and, and all of that, it made me think of how sometimes overcomplicating things is not the best thing for your life and simplifying things is better. And so that's why I thought about Emily Lay. Okay. So Emily began in 2008 um, by designing monograms, logos, and stationery in her home office. She was pouring herself into her work as most, you know, very uh, ambitious people do. Three years later, um, with the birth of her son, she realized that her to-do list just continued to pile on and on on top of itself as you know starting a family and you know starting your own business can yeah. can do so her crowded schedule inspired her to do something that would become the very foundation of um her company so she created a planner and have you ever used a planner i don't know if that, is that just a girl thing i don't know in my experience, I think more women use planners than men. I don't know why uh, that is, but um, I don't, maybe in college, I don't remember. Definitely not since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like in grade school, like we all had assignment notebooks. <laughs> yeah. So I had a planner then when I was told I had to, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, no, not really since then. Okay. I mean, so there are planners out there in the market that definitely have all the bells and whistles and I'm I'm guilty of getting these planners that I don't just use for like the planning purposes like they have like different places where you have to like check and like do checklists there's stickers you know that's what appeals to me for some planners okay. like, I really like you know the little lily pull it's like an planner. accessory yes for, yeah yeah I think that might be why it appeals more to women also you have somewhere to you you carry something with you that you can put it in uh right. mo more often men you know we just have our pockets we true. don't have a, a purse or a bag that we usually carry everywhere true 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 yeah so maybe that's that's why but so she created a planner that was a lot simpler than a lot of the planners that are out there in the market. There's no stickers. There's no checkboxes. There's just a lot more space to write and, you know, plan out what you need, but, you know, sectioned off in a very simplified way. She wanted something simple and beautiful, something that anyone can use. Um, and so the simplified planner was born. So wait, this this sounds like a notebook. Yeah, How no, is this different just, from a notebook? I just thought, I thought you were going to say that. It's still dated. I mean, okay. you know, you still have your dates. You can you can thumb through the pages to see how far away something is and plan out from there. Okay. But it's just not 
there are some places where, you know, you, it gives you a to-do list, a section to, um, write out your thoughts and a reflection for the day. You know, it's just, it's just too much. And so you could just kind of curate this however you want. Okay. To. All right. I, I, I understand. Um, so sh- since then she's grown her business to include writing books. She hosts a podcast now. Um, she's a mom to three and of course maintaining her successful simplified planner line, which has also grown in the space of journals, organizational tools and decor tips. So, you know, all of her content is about letting go of the overcomplicated and just simplifying your life to be better. Okay. I like the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, simplified. And, you know, because she's kind of curated this this lifestyle, it's become more than just a brand. It's actually, you know opened up to a community of women who offer each other support and encouragement on her like Facebook um, page and just in a lot of the content that she puts out. So um, one of her mottos is grace, not perfection. And that is something that I forget about a lot. And sometimes when I go back and I see because I follow her and and she'll post a meme that just says grace, not perfection. And it makes me remember to give myself grace because not everything does have to be perfect and to just let go of some of the things that aren't going to put me over the edge. Mm -hmm. I like that. She's she, it sounds like she's like built a community, um, which is great. Um, also great business strategy. So Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So follow her on Instagram. Her handle is, Emily Lay, no spaces, E-M-I-L-Y-L-E-Y. And her TikTok, she doesn't have as much on TikTok, but um, her TikTok handle is Emily underscore Lay. Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button. And reach out on social media. Dot coms. And hot moms. Signing off.